This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast here in the tail end of the Andor season. We only have a few more episodes of this incredible show to go. Today, we're going to be talking about episode 10, which is a game changer. Honestly, this episode will shake. This is my prediction. Will shake the foundations, I think, of Star Wars uh, culture and Star Wars fandom for a while. Star Wars storytelling, I think this is an extremely key moment for the Rebel Alliance with a capital R, for the idea of rebellion and resistance as concepts, for the characters, of course, Tony Gilroy is shepherding this entire show as creator and showrunner, this one in particular, directed by Toby Haynes, written by the great Bo Willimon, who, if you are listening to this around this time, you can actually hear us talk to Bo Willimon a little bit on an Andor roundtable that we were able to do with a few members of the crew, the creative team behind the show. That's also going to be on the podcast feed for right now, though. To join me in talking about episode 10, you know him from the Imperial Senate podcast. You know him from his work here with me on a rewatch between worlds talking about Star Wars Rebels and from recent appearances with me and Ken Napsack over on Casually Talk. It is Nikki Kumar. Hello, hello. Say, uh, pleasure to be back <laughs> yeah, i know See, yeah, i feel like it... that behind the scenes you yeah. and i have been sitting on a call together pretty much all day yeah um, but... it's now sort of like a, a process of putting on the right hat for the right <laughs> recording yes so, yeah so yeah, yeah we're but we're in a we're in a space now that um yeah i don't remember the last time it must have been obi-wan obi-wan kenobi i think we did the that little chunk of episodes mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah no it's it's great to great to be back on the show of course to be talking about like this like you were mentioning this episode this this it's just a a new standard of you know what we sort of associate with star wars now it's something else yeah i mean this really is the one i have wrestled a little bit between is episode three my favorite still phenomenal is episode seven my favorite i find that one to be so moving and so unique and then episode 10 came in and said here i am Mm -hmm. definitive chapter at least thus far of this show and like you said you and i talk literally every day but we haven't done an episode deep dive since Kenobi. So much has happened since then. It feels like a lifetime ago in a lot of ways. Sometimes Mm. it feels like just the other day, but we're always, you know, working together. We're going to get back into our Rebels rewatch soon, which provides us with good feelings and that provides us with comedy that provides us with a lot of whimsy and that twinkle in the eye you and I are always talking about. We, uh, if you listen to the uh, aforementioned behind the scenes content that we were able to do with some of the Andor team. Nikki is in there with me. And in those behind the scenes discussions, we were able to ask some great questions. But to be able to talk story, you and I, that's one of our favorite things to do together. And this one is absolutely loaded. Um, So just overall impressions, I feel like we're already in that. Then we're sort of going to break it by storyline. We're going to end on the ending. So I think what Mm -hmm. we're going to do here is go Coruscant, with Mothma, you know, upper Coruscant, then we'll do the yeah. prison and then we'll end on Luthen's ending. Um, but before we get into the specifics, just tell me how this episode has been making you feel. Full disclosure, Nikki and I were fortunate enough to be able to get screeners for this. So we've been sitting on it a little bit longer, processing a little bit longer mm-hmm. um, than we normally have been able to with this show. So there's been a digestion period. Uh, yeah. But yeah, where are you at right now emotionally <laughs> with, with episode 10? Right. I think there i tweeted a few days ago something along the lines of uh-oh i've fallen in love with another episode of tv <laughs> it's in that um, category 
Yep. And again, it's like we just just sort of, you know, just came off another episode 10, uh, the Black Queen from from House of the Dragon enamored, enamored with it, enamored with this whole era of television we're in. Um, And it's sort of like one of those things where you just see something and you really you just you feel it. I feel like I feel like there's some Star Wars works that in different ways accomplish the same thing. There's 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 the idea of like, okay that was Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, yeah, that was Star Wars. Something show you the ingredients and they're like, OK, that this is how you can see it at every level. Oh, yeah, this element, this element, this element. And then some things show you the periodic table where they break it down to its element. And and it, I feel like this was the this was an episode of Andor that did that. It got to the core, the core principle. And I feel like, again, just to make the point of like different things do it in different ways. I think the village bride does it. I think life and death, the baby Ahsoka short does it where it's like it gets down to the corest core of what is the what is the idea? What is the struggle? What is what is anything? And I think when when we start breaking down certain monologues from multiple characters and, you know, ideas and shifting and these that people go on in this episode or conclude with this episode have been going for the past two specifically. It's like, it just, it broke it down to the most basic level. And I find that to always be really like, not just engaging, but like it, it buries in and it stays. And I think that's what this is going to feel like when, however, you know, many years we, we go after, cause we know season two is, the end of Andor. So it's like, however long we're detached from from Andor, I feel like this episode 10 is just always going to be one that we either revisit or just always think about. And yeah, just especially and it's even just from an acting perspective, like we're going to be talking about these performances for for a long time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is some of the most riveting harrowing, horrifying, enthralling other words that end in ing uh, performances that we've been able to privileged enough to be able to witness um, in the Star Wars space. And I will say, just on that note, I think acting is an under discussed aspect of Star Wars because the originals unfairly, I think, always get a pat on the head like Harrison's great. And then everyone else is just sort of doing their thing. And that's unfair. The prequels have had the most unfair acting treatment. And there are great performances in the prequels throughout Mm -hmm. 2014 on, though, starting with Rebels and going into Force Awakens, a new gear was unlocked where you get performances that are Oscar caliber in Star Wars now. I mean, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, Felicity Jones, uh, here, Andy Serkis, Diego throughout. I mean, this has been the era of just incredible. I mean, who amongst us did not weep when Ewan McGregor went to the new depths of his soul in Kenobi? And I think you find new depths of a lot Mm -hmm. of our characters here. Even someone like Kino. Kino, Lo, we've only known for a three-episode arc, and he already is up there with my favorite Star Wars characters for what he's able to contribute. And it's what you spoke to. Now, you and I know each other well enough as as close personal friends to sort of know what resonates with each other. And I know you love a burn it all down to its essentials, that periodic. Mm-hmm. Like, we've mm-hmm. talked about that with Game of Thrones. There's so much going on in the Song of Ice and Fire story, either show or the books. But what is it? It's still cripples, bastards, broken things. It's still small folk. It's still classic fantasy Mm -hmm. in its way. What Star Wars has throughout all of its elements and chapters and and installments and sagas and sub-sagas, publishing initiatives, 
resistance, rising up, rebellion. Even when we're at our height in something like the higher public, it's still we must resist the coming threat of, in that case, it's the Nile. That's just classic Star Wars. What big threat are we resisting? But what Andor is able to do in its tearing down to the essentials of the souls is find in-betweens. When it all is burned down and boiled down, whatever visual metaphor you want to use, you find in-betweens that Star Wars hasn't had the... It has nothing to do with the capacity or the quality. I think I speak for Nikki and myself when we say like the bad faith, the dunking on other Star Wars by using Andor is lame and needs to stop. And it's not good for the conversations. But acknowledging differences is important. And I think, first of all, a 12 episode format as opposed to six, that's just logic. You're going Mm -hmm. to have more time. But an example I keep using just because it's the first thing that popped into my head the other day. So I've stuck with it is think about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Revenge of the Sith. He's about to go rise up against the last threat of the Clone Wars proper, General Grievous. Mm -hmm. He's going to go take him on. But that's a two and a half hour film where it's like we we have to move at that pulp pace. We have to keep going. We didn't sit with Obi-Wan on the way to Utapau wondering, am I going to die? That's not something that we normally get in Star Wars are the small in-betweens. We get Rey going to Exegol to face Palpatine and we see her flying red five and she's got the helmet on but but we're not there is no moment of is this really like what is it gonna mean for me what is that that all comes mythically those are rousing moments john williams everything comes in that's very classic star wars television has been able to sort of get to that point mandalorian has beautiful moments like this book of boba fett does kenobi and i think that this episode of andor is sort of the apotheosis of we broke down if we're breaking down our elements and the element is resist we found the core of the core of the core of the core and sometimes Mm -hmm. what that is is a finding it within yourself to defy fear as kino does and in cassian finding it in yourself to tap into your better instinct into your greatest potential because throughout this without even realizing it he is acting like captain cassian andor he Mm -hmm. has been able to tap into other people's souls and inspire them, bring out the best in them. No, it has to be you. Oh, Mel, she's following his example. Oh, you need to tell them this. Oh, this is the plan. Oh, I've been working on this thing with the water pipe for the longest time in the bathroom. Mm. Uh, sorry, in the refresher um, <laughs> the, the entire time. So it, it's it's unlocking people's potentials. And I think it, it goes back to like that Aldani arc is something that he did and desperately wanted to convince himself was an isolated thing for selfish reasons. But the killing of Skeen is when he killed his worst self. Skeen was yeah. the, was Dark Cassian. That's what you could have been. Once you did that, you were, I don't want to say destined, but in a way, yeah, kind of, because Star Wars maneuvers. It's like your trial. Yeah. Right? Star, like, yeah. Star Wars yeah. maneuvers even, even its non-mystical characters into those places they he has a mentor that made him leave home and went off on this journey he had his trial him killing skiing was sort of the dark side cave and so what is this what is this prison escape this mm-hmm. is bespin this is star killer base this is any of the moments where the hero's like i have to be a hero now and i didn't expect it and yeah it's beautiful yeah it could be like yeah you can even you could say it was his uh his trench run of sorts right like this this is the moment where I have to step up in a different way um, and inspire others, which is what he does. He, he doesn't do it in a particularly inspiring way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he's, he's sort of like forceful about it. But um, but I think that it's a fun point you brought up 
um, or a few fun points. I one I I do love that you brought up the Obi Wan and Grievous thing because it reminds me of the point in the novelization mm-hmm. where they're sort of like where Obi Wan's like, why why'd you pick me? And mm-hmm. and I think I think it was Mace Windu is like, dude, you're the best. You're the best of us. <laughs> like only you can do this. Uh, you have no flaw. Like or you don't have flaws that he can exploit. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, so like, yeah, I, I love that moment. And that, again, that's the difference. That's the difference of the pace of Revenge of the Sith versus think of a season of Revenge of the Sith where you can get that moment. And Andor, um, is, and Andor is kind of the, is a Star Wars novel on screen, right? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, that's not me speaking for you. Do you agree with that? Cause I, that's how I've been sort of feeling. I think so. And, and how just sort of like diligent it is in its own pacing it's willing to take the time that a book would take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the hardest to podcast about for that reason. I have yeah. had moments of saying to myself, I don't grab a novel, you know, put my thumb at the 30 page yeah. mark and say, that's a podcast. Like it has felt, especially with these three episode arcs, it just felt really strange in a good way, challenging in a good way. We've had conversations with our friends and group chats, calls, discords, you know, real life people we do have real life friends too shocking as that may be <laughs> um and the idea of this is so good but it's challenging me but at the same time it is moving toward star wars proper yeah and i think this episode was a huge moment in the direction of star wars proper and that it's challenging you it's making choices we focus so much already by the way, we're still in the overall thoughts portion of the episode. I know, right? Uh, yeah. We focus so much on this prison arc. There are other things going on. We're going to break them by story. I find that to be more effective for the way I like to do these than beat by beat by beat by beat in order because some mm. things play together and they should be talked about together. So uh, let's talk about going into specifics. We're talking about Star Wars choices. We're talking about boiling things down. Star Wars is always about choices, and it emphasizes a classic theme, a classic idea, something that people, anyone in a leadership role or in a management role should know and should learn, which is being in charge versus taking care of the people in your charge. Mm -hmm. And Mothma is faced with that as a rebel leader, as a senator, as a Chandrillan, and most of all, as a mother, when she faces off with who was teased in the previous episode, this totally legitimate businessman banker uh, named Davos Skaldon. And you get the idea that he's a loan shark, some kind of gangster, more low key. He can fit in with these people, but his reputation is uh, bad, to say the least. So how did you feel going into this? And then uh, why don't you tell everybody about the, the fun bit of casting <laughs> that you found out about? Oh, yeah. It's, what's his name? Richard Delane, brother of Stephen Delane, who Thrones heads will know as as uh, Lord Stannis or King Stannis Baratheon, if you if you uh, subscribe uh, to that. Please. Uh, yeah. King St- Stannis yeah. the Manus, if you will. Stannis the Manus, Azora High. Um, yeah, it's uh, that that was just a fun detail and always, always fun to see where the uh, the casts of our various favorite little stories start intersecting but yeah i think in general the uh this this little plot point was i think such a good way um to to sort of and we are nearing the end of the the season this this for all we know this could be mon's big season ender right like we got two episodes left this could be her big like her big crisis moment in in the um in in as far as the first season goes and so I think it was such a really interesting way because she is the uh, she's the character who, you know, is in the Senate. We know we see we saw her the previous episode, I believe, 
she was she was there in the senate halls you know anybody who still considers this place you know a temple like you know she's there fighting and on this massive level and now to just bring the the crisis is not a it's not a crisis at work you know it is in her home which we've seen over you know these episodes not a great relationship (laughs) with her daughter or her husband no and Um, spoke about there the difference between work and home is that saw guerrera has accepted this is my life lupin mm -hmm. has accepted this is my life mothma is being forced to accept that now she thought she could have work and home uh, to a point because for a long time she did and for a long time it was that and we see mothma a little bit in clone wars obviously there's those beloved deleted scenes of Mm -hmm. that was a job but she was able to still be mon mothma as she has admitted this mon mothma was a front now and so it's like what i mean and as she's advocating against the pord the public order resentencing and people don't even Mm -hmm. care and then she gets home and what does she get more disrespect yeah and like as the rebels rewatchers here we know where this goes. We know what this endpoint is for this point of her life. She mm-hmm. she's on the run. She's hunted, right? So it's always this it's always this thing with Mon of I think she's she's struggling to reconcile this life and these these now sort of unholy bedfellows in in uh, Davo uh, Skulden, where it's like you know she's she's stuck and we know what her escape is her escape is literal escape uh because it's it's just going to prove to be more and more um unsustainable and we don't know obviously there's a, a massive gap between when we see her in and i think i believe it's called secret cargo in season three mm-hmm. um and you know there's there's a good chunk of time till then and it's just it's it's really sad actually because we know her life now is going to unravel into just this horrible point to where she can't stay where she is. I think it's it's so tragic that it's going to be, um, at least at this point of her life, the the big point is going to be her her daughter, who, you know, while they probably don't have a great relationship, I think it's still very clear, you know, Mon loves her and wants her to be safe and mm-hmm. obviously not be a a collateral piece like piece of collateral in this war she's trying to fight yeah i mean it's it's there's so much going on there with lita and it's uh i think it was uh, joseph and ken on force center that pointed out like making her daughter's name just one letter away from leia after we've had several instances in in modern canon uh, princess and the scoundrels a great example mon is one of the first people that leia goes to to say han and i are getting married because mm-hmm. she doesn't have parents to talk to about it and and they talk about how they fill that role where's Lita? Where's Perrin? There's all that stuff. We sort of have with them what we have with everyone not named Cassian, Saw, Mothma, and uh, I guess Yularen. It's like, <laughs> you're all fair game for anything yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, and that has become that lingers over, that the idea that Mothma by the time of Rebels is on the run, by the time of Return of the Jedi, is a rebellion leader loud and proud and is but is also an entity under herself you get the idea that choices were made and to see one now get presented um in such a dark way that emphasizes generational trauma because she's been making choices right she's in luthan's inner circle which we'll talk about later on is is way more intense than i think we ever thought it was luthan's Mm. inner circle is already part of her life she's already doing this stuff 
in the previous episode, we had uh, Vel being revealed to be her cousin and their relationship was explored a little bit, which was wonderful. But so far, it's been I can play the Mothmas in public and in private. So she thought that's been getting harder and it's been getting more difficult until suddenly, okay, I need Tay. All right, I have Tay now. But then mm. even Tay is like, okay, well, now there's this problem. And it's 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 the unraveling you're speaking to. These, I think, like 400,000 credits that need to be moved discreetly, that need to be, when, uh, when under scrutiny, like, can't be apparent uh, to the Empire on their books. Right. It forces you to do two things. One, morally compromised, which Saw and Luthen are comfortable with, and she's not. And not that Mothma ever gets to the Saw and Luthen level, quite the opposite as we know yeah. by rebels they are still clashing but mothma will have to get to the point in her life where she has to accept help from unlikely places and i mean think she's got han solo and lando calrissian as generals yeah her watch by the <laughs> right. time of return of the jedi like not saying like, those are obviously better people than yeah. davos skulden but she has to have that leadership breakthrough of the rebel alliance lowercase r at this point these cells cannot just be who we would like them to be and that's mm -hmm. that's the challenge one challenge two is that this is just an obviously bad person that there's history with there's a shandam yeah. history that we're learning more about it's not this idyllic place that it seemed like it was in canon for a while and then the third point is it's sort of again the people in your charge but specifically the children a child is at stake here mm -hmm. and generational trauma can either be broken or continued. Right. Well, a woman in, a, in an arranged marriage is now has the choice of, am I going to do that to my kid? Am I going to have to do and potentially it, it put her with a parent and yeah. take away her agency, take away her happiness, put her in the same cycles? That's so Star Wars. Am I passing pain down or am I going to try to save her? And save might be a dramatic word because it's not like Lita is a dark side force user. She's just a teenager. Mm -hmm. But it's been clear to us as a viewer that Perrin has his claws in her and Perrin has turned her against her mom in a lot of ways, um, much like in a lot of divided households, a lot of, you know, children yeah. divorce have experienced this, children that have strained relationships with one. If Mothma makes this choice, it's, set, it's so much more than just an alliance of houses. It's, right. It would be a confirmation, I would imagine, to Lita. Yeah, dad's right. You don't care. You it's are all about you. player. Yeah. It is all just about you. And that would hurt on that level. And it would make Mothma part of the system. Yeah. And again, I, I hope everybody listening will also check out our, um, our roundtable we were on with, with uh, Bo Williman. And mm -hmm. we, we were lucky enough to hear him say himself, this arc, specifically this episode, the central core theme is sacrifice. And that's a lot to take in i think it's it's something we're going to be representing as we go topic to big um but you think about how that applies to mon mothma now in this section and it's it's really kind of scary to think about her relationship now because if if this idea is sacrifice for the cause is she ready is she ready to sacrifice her daughter mm -hmm. um which is what which is what she'd really be doing she'd be signing away her future to to live out what she's lived out in an unhappy marriage 
you know yeah. and again not to say for all we know for all we know <laughs> scolden jr could be the greatest you know, kid ever a wonderful guy could be the greatest um, guy ever yeah. it could be a happy ending but but on principle you still live with it right it's yeah. it's sort of the naboo thing it's like yeah padme amidala was an amazing queen so amazing that they wanted to amend the constitution so she could be queen longer but she was also 14 when that happened mm-hmm. and there's still the flaws of that there's also that little group called the Jedi that there many people have many thoughts on the, the place of youth in their system. Mm-hmm. And the idea that Star Wars is always exploring how the older generation affects the younger and how the younger affects the older, who can redeem who, who can save who, who gets to make choices for who is so powerful. And it's a, yeah. they're, they're closer in age, obviously. They're not a teenager and an adult, but even Kino is like, he's got at least a couple, like a decade on Cassian. He's got some years on him. Mm. And even Cassian is that younger man. And his storyline, I think, shaking him out of apathy or not out of apathy. That's the wrong word. Shaking him out of out of fear and routine, shaking mm-hmm. him out of a, a, par- a paralyzed state. And Mothma here has to has to struggle with. Again, it's not about fake Mothma and real Mothma anymore. It's about the Mothmas that exist inside that no one yeah. gets to see uh, that you will have to choose. And, and, and like we said, the acting. I mean, Genevieve O'Reilly is unreal like unreal she's able to do yeah i it's it's i don't want to use the word uh exactly but like she's she's been a revelation Mm. in this show and you know it's it's always like she this is where she's really getting to show herself as mon you know for various reasons a mon mothma in return of the jedi is what the kids would call a glup shitta right like (laughs) like mon mothma's there like admiral akbar's there and and it's like so there's there's that element to it where you know maybe in the past when she's been in the role there hasn't been so much to dig into she's always done it wonderfully whether it's rogue one revenge of the sith rebels i think rebels started giving her more material to work with yeah um but now it's like for by purpose you know it it's her really her time to run with it and yeah yeah she's just she's just an incredible piece of of what it is i mean she the way the way she it's it's her silent moments more than anything the way she holds her body her posture um her her looks at nothing right like her blank sort of stares because you know there are 20 million cogs turning in that head yeah she's she's just been an, an incredible piece of it all yeah and and with those things like all the stuff behind her eyes the realization that it is no longer about money and now it's you know it's not like in game of thrones exactly with the joining of the houses scene uh in in the between ned and rob because they were friends this is an enemy mm-hmm. saying i want to infiltrate your house your circle your security uh i want to be a parasite in a certain yeah. way you get the idea that he's going to sully be even beyond what Perrin has already done uh her life and so it's just yeah a, in an episode of a lot of hope and triumph and, and yeah. victory this is definitively a moment of impending doom in the quietest way yeah it, and it's just like that realization that you know she obviously didn't want this in the first place to deal with him but then probably rationalized enough okay it's the most basic just keep it as basically professional transactional as possible then the offer on the table is it's something you can't just write off you know yep. it's it, yeah it's a horrifying realization for her um and and the fact that we leave her at this moment of i i forget the exact line of dialogue but where he's like eh, 
That's the or it was. She's like, I I've already made up my mind. He's like, that's the first lie you've told. Oh, oh, it hurts. I it hated. Hurts. That was that was truly worst person you know. Just made a great point. Yeah, um, defined yeah. because he is correct. And yeah, it's uh, there's so many things. I the previous episode had the torture of Bix. I feel like that was extremely George. We have perverted and bastardized something from the real world and turned it into a, a technological digital weapon. Terror. Technological <laughs> terror. You could, yeah, you could even say yeah. that. It's almost like they should write that into one of them. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, and then here, it's again, it's it's what the prequels were saying. This is not just about money. It's not just about the 400,000. It's not just about the trade routes. It's not just about the tax. It's about what are the motivations going into each and every single one of those things and who is controlling mm. whom. And it's terrifying. Um, and that's not the only thing on Coruscant that is going on, but we are going to split Coruscant and end on it later uh, in yeah. lower levels with someone else. Right. Let's jump over to Narkina 5 and talk about this. It's the aftermath, of course, of Ulaf's death. Direct aftermath, we have this situation where now Cassian Andor, the leader, has to try to break through to Kino, compel him, tell him it has to be now. They have to seize their moment. This is it. This is destiny is knocking at the door and saying what will you do so how did you feel mm. about the way we are thrust back in yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty unforgiving <laughs> um because yeah we've we've already sort of had this taste of cassian and, and a couple other of the inmates they're sort of working on something um but it, it's still very much their little secret project and now it's like their hands been played um and you know whether we're ready or not we gotta go and and I think it, the fact that he, you know, Cassian wasn't ready for that, probably. And the fact that he has to make that realization just one on one with Kino, who Kino has has bought into this false promise, this this dream of, you know, I just keep my head down, do my stuff, and then we're out. Even to this point, after hearing that, unable to fully unlatch himself from from that notion. And for Cassian to come to the realization that Oh, this this needs to happen tomorrow. This is the only only good chance we'll have for it, for that to be the, the person he come, like tells that realization to. It's it's just so like dramatically rich. It's it's and and of course we have Diego and and Andy just doing unreal unreal acting. Two scene partners I never knew I needed. Um, yeah, that just are so the performances are so raw. They're so human. They're full of really quiet tense moments also explosive moments the the don't be stupid that whole mm -hmm. idea of it has to be now and that cassian has now become the inspirational he's channeling luthan here in so many ways he's become the, not that luthan is some inspirational like you know head coach that you would want i think he's mm -hmm. scary but these ideas of it has to be now they are afraid of us they are in fear they chose to murder to silence because they know that we have the upper hand on a low-key basis they present the upper hand but like you said mm -hmm. never more than 12 guards it's the floor that does most of the work this is cassie and andor without realizing it becoming not just a captain, but a spy master. He's, he's rebel yeah. intelligence. His yeah. ability to survive and get to the next day that he's been doing his whole life has now played out. He has this bathroom plan that's been slowly working. You know, he's slowly working on that pipe and these signals and everything. But he has, he now is tapped into the psychology of the war that they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like Star Wars kind of plays it like loosey goosey with, with rank, um, you know, 
oh general general oh you know like you know it, it's a little it's a little always sort of you know just leadership um but i think you know with something like rogue one and and cat and andor it's i think you can sort of look to it a little deeper and remember he is captain he is a, an officer um he's the leader and and yeah it's it's really sort of you know just an, an excellent part of his his character growth over these past 10 episodes to see that come out and to to know you know in our minds know that he he you know this doesn't go away this is a this is something that will keep on growing in him to the point where when he's on Gavin 4 what at whatever point that is you know he will be entrusted with a captain's responsibility you know he's he's there to um you know do do terrible things as he as he says but he he did those cuz he was trusted to and yeah. you know and he's inspired or instilled confidence in people below him and above him so we're really now seeing that and we're seeing how he in his own sort of way because it's not exactly it's like it's hard to say because he's like it isn't it inspires but it's not inspiring right again the line was like you don't have time to be stupid (laughs) yeah like uh, provoking like being able to touch on the sort of the threads within someone else's heart within someone else's Mm -hmm. soul in their mind to know what they need to hear and what he realizes in that moment is that it is a paraphrase of the what are you going to do? You're going to die bit by bit, piece by piece, what Luthen told him heading into Aldani out of Ferrix. Mm. He sort of reconveys that here. Like, if you're going to die, don't die in the service of what they want. There's yeah. a righteousness in being able to choose. Star Wars is all about choice. And what he's he's begging Kino in this moment to say, you choose who Kino Loy is. They right. don't. And yeah, and again, it's, it's to, re- to look forward to Rogue One when he you know post Jin's speech about about going to Scarif when he, when he sees her outside the the conference room he's already amassed a group behind him right so he's he has this ability to like you say you know get into other people's souls in whatever whatever way he makes it work um and he brings them with him mm-hmm. and i think that is that is i think the the sort of overall I think journey for Cassian in this in these store these these part of the story where it's like you know he empowers you know will eventually empower Kino to lead also right and and just sort of again it's like it's it's that really interesting level of inspiration because again he's not like he's not like someone you really look up to necessarily he's not not appealing to good yeah nor has he even in the lighter situations go all the way back to the the first couple episodes when people are like you know cassian owes me money and you know yeah yeah he's like what like cassian has been able to talk his way out of things by appealing to what he needs to appeal to in the situation he's very He has a perceptive on a human level, but that doesn't always mean, again, he's not a rousing, uh, he's not a Mon Mothma. He, yeah. know, he's not an Obi-Wan Kenobi that's going to make you feel good, but he is going to say what needs to be said um, for the reality of the situation. Yeah, and I think that's what's so cool about Luthen's influence on him, mm-hmm. Nemec to whatever degree, Nemec's sort of mm-hmm. ideas, manifesto. We don't know at this point how much time he spent with it. Um, but the idea that Cassian is sort of this like energy 
Like if you if you look at Cassian as just energy, and what he needed was direction, um, and sort of as as we've sort of been talking about, Luthen has had influence on him now to where he's able to direct that energy into the the tenets that Luthen sort of challenged him with um, on board the Fondor all those weeks ago. Um, so I think yeah. I think that is. Whether or not he, it's like it's again, it's hard to say. Only two episodes left of his season. What is Cassian's full arc going to be? I think we're really starting to push to where what what we might be able to expect Cassian being by season one finale, which is you know again not the complete product, but focused. I think focused and 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 at least being able to reach. I think Kino's arc is sort of a microcosm of maybe what we can expect or what those parallels are because these are all parallel journeys in the Aldani arc setting up we all have our own rebellion. Um mm-hmm. everybody has their own thing. Yeah, even Skeen who was a liar, he still is able to say I am a rebel. It's just me mm-hmm. and everyone else. And that's what I'm rebelling against and so for Cassian to get to the point of being in the prison block he's yelling he's explaining it he's cluing everyone in for what just happened with the death of Olaf, what the actual doctor was conveying about what happened on level two camera all the way in on andy circus yeah. destroying it with just looks kino is starting to break and then kino's emotional breakthrough happens kino's star wars choice happens there and he, that's when he's able to finally say the way I, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I'm, I might already be a dead man, but these are the facts. It's not just a rumor. It is truth. We have to embrace the reality of our situation and choose what we're going to be at this moment. Yeah. And that's what, that's so much of what Star Wars is. And that's really what kicks off our action. They wait to the next yeah. day and we wait for work. And then these plans start to come to fruition. Well, these, this one plan, but these, these small elements, the communication, the observation of the routine of the guards. I love that a huge part of this action is that Cassian, by cutting this pipe, lets the ocean in. He lets they lets the outside world in to disrupt mm-hmm. and to create. And that's so Star Wars too. So talk to me about this action. Tell me things that stuck out to you and how you felt as they started to seize power, inspire others, and uh we'll build to that epic Kino speech moment. Yeah. I think I think first of all it's it's really kind of incredible the strength of sort of spirit and community that the inmates had with each other to the point where, I mean, obviously everybody wants to get out <laughs> for, yeah. for potentially awful reasons to just the nonsensical reasons, like why Cassian's even there. And just you know, to survive. Or if you're Melshi, you're actually feeling something like Melshi is, mm-hmm. you know, he's the right one character, but there's, there's the whole spectrum, like you're saying, like, yeah, I want to get out of prison because I'm in prison. I want to get out of prison because of the recent changes in oppression. But then Melshi represents that I might actually be seeing something that I want to be a part of. Yeah, like I'm not just looking for freedom. I'm looking for a future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I thought that was a really cool just the way it was all sort of put together of everyone's in on this. There's no there's no oh, especially probably once Kino comes in for their floor um what are they five day shift or something so it's like you know when they're all in that hallway and he he has his moment he's like i'm not i can't take it anymore and he speaks out i love how like unified they are um i thought that was really powerful and and nobody gives up the game right like everybody does their part as stuff goes into motion um and you know not all of them are able to to live to get off the floor 
but it was still it was still like really emotional and powerful watching them do it right like start just throwing the stuff climbing nicholas bretel's going off on it like it's just of the oppressor Mm -hmm. being thrown at them which comes back in in the ending monologue the idea Mm -hmm. of being condemned and we'll talk about that that the entire idea of their elevators are our way out their tools are our weapons their blasters are our weapons their Mm -hmm. hallways become our hallways we outnumber them we are stronger there's a togetherness there that star wars has been talking about Mm -hmm. you go to phantom menace you go to new hope you go to rise of skywalker you go to many anything mandalorian book of boba fett it's always about and sometimes it's you know it's a little more colorful i bet you there's no uh there's no mods or black chrysanthemum or fennec shand here uh, right you know to to be your team but it is we're all here for different reasons we don't need to define those reasons yeah you know re-watching it it's like we don't even know who has committed violence before who's a soldier who committed violent crime who's there for nonsense like cassian is like you already mm-hmm. said with the way that the laws have been restructured but everybody is is galvanized there's a respect the way they're able to inspire the other rooms is such a yeah. powerful moment because as the ending visual shows you this this spread very quickly i mean kino even says we don't need to tell the night shift they're going to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, they'll they'll get on board. Yeah, and I think there's also something just geographically so mystical or like mythical about it. Just the idea of like you have to work up, you know, it's the, almost like descend, you know, ascending from the depths of hell, from the dungeon. And the, I, the vertical motion, I think, just feels so powerful of a freedom. And then it also, you know, evokes in Rogue One, climb. You know, just this idea of vertical is is how you how you you know you win. Um, this is the second time now, the second time yeah, they with Nemec, yeah, yeah, climb in a way right. that has recontextualized. I'm I'm telling you, I've been honest about it on the show before. I know you have as well. Rogue One's the Star Wars movie I struggle with the most. This is doing for it what you know Kenobi did for New Hope, what Clone Wars did for Revenge of the Sith. Like this mm. really is creating such a context for like if rogue one is who opened the door for the heroes this is who opened the doors for those people who who right. died that way they could have a clear path even to that that the, the, the stakes can always be more personal it could always be more brutal mm-hmm. and the dehumanization there's that moment of and let's just i guess let's just get right into it where kino is kino and cassian go to take the control room yeah and there's a few steps to this and the first is the actual taking of it where in kino's big breakthrough that he's already made there's still these these moments of what we find out later is that kino can't swim uh you know with the context now we can see why his hesitance starts to grow despite Mm -hmm. their progress um Mm -hmm. it's like you're getting closer to the goal but there's also a different fear rising in him that cassian again is very perceptive of and they take control turning off the floors and the way that that comes in in the speech the floors are all cold and the way that you get that one that's that one small performance moment from that one actor who just puts his foot down yeah that's zinska the yeah he, i think the, the night shift i think that's right he's the man yeah of the, of the night yeah shift. yeah because they cross paths and the way that he has that moment of like oh i'm a person again i can move freely like yeah that that's so powerful but then of course that's part of this big speech, I, I definitely could see it being compared to Steve Rogers and Winter Soldier. It's the I'm in the I'm in the enemy territory. 
some who who's gonna hear this the fact that we came off of an episode of nobody's listening because they were in control now it's everybody's listening it has to be kino and cassian points that out it mm-hmm. needs to be you and even when kino tries to do one version he says is that all you got or you can do better than that yeah it's beautifully written the mantra that becomes their war chant their battle cry of you know one way out it's so powerful and the idea of i at kino loy in that moment reclaimed whoever he was yeah i think that's that's what is always so those are always the best scenes i think of um classic loki in epi- a chapter or episode five of of loki i think of one of my favorite scenes of all time the uh the charge of the rohirrim at pelinor fields it's a rediscovery of who they are yep. and and it's similar to kino outcome be damned we've won because we found ourselves again and i think that is what helps make that so powerful because his voice grows as he as he continues to speak to them and um it's 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 one of the like great rousing moments in just like in almost any story i've seen it's it's star wars or in any story yeah and what you said there his the way that the performance, the 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 base that Andy puts in, the the firmness, because he's in conversation, but not with another person, with ideas, right. and with yeah. the whole place, with the whole location, with every soul that's there. It's it's him saying at first it's the you know, hey, we have control of this. That's almost like a realization that he's telling mm-hmm. himself, oh, we have control. We outnumber them. Let's take advantage of that before they realize. I love that shot of, you know, you got like 10 Imperials that are all hiding behind a door because they've realized they overplayed and the way that it's backfiring on them. Power to the people is such a thing that we hear throughout history, throughout social movements. And for it to be reflected here, not only is our Tony Gilroy, Toby Haynes and Bo Willimon and Sano Wallenberg and everybody indicting the prison industrial complex here and the Mm -hmm. war machine, but they're also, I think, speaking to the viewer and saying, don't ever become just a number. Don't ever become just a piece. Always look to somebody else and say, hey, remember that we're in this together. And and that idea that that you've latched onto, there's that part of the speech about, you might remember the wording better about mm. if somebody falls or if somebody can't make yeah. it to help them. So if you want to speak to that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple moments where it's like, just for performance-wise, there's something I just felt immediately where Andy's voice kind of cracks when he's like, if we try as hard as we've worked to get out of here, we're going to be home in no time. And like, I just remember hearing that. And it was like, the tear came. I was like, oh my God. Um, and and yeah, I think this, the line about um, helping, I think it's it's sort of what's trying to feed my my optimism of the, of the scene. Because obviously we get to the top and it's time to jump to freedom. And Kino can't jump because he can't swim. And it's again, this this idea of as Bo Willman pointed out sacrifice and he knew you know or you know his rationalization was i can't do this for myself but i can i can help save so many others maybe not everyone but like and including myself i'm already a dead man <laughs> you know I'm, I'm considering that um but the idea that you know we can we can make a difference and and you know come out on top and you know live and all that and i think Again, and it speaks to Kino that he, in his call to action, did the did the line about if you see someone confused or lost, help them, get them up, don't stop until we've put this place behind us. And 
it's it's almost like it's almost <laughs> kind of a, a funny example now because of Eddie Circus. It's almost Frodo like in that Frodo loses at the end of Return of the King. He loses. He loses to the ring. Yeah. Puts it on. Yeah. Even after Sam carries him. Yeah. He he loses. He, he's at the end and he loses. And but so by all accounts, Frodo is lost. But by his own good nature, by his own good heart in sparing Gollum, he's given this cosmic out, <laughs> right? Like, because he could have killed Gollum and then Gollum wouldn't have been there to take the ring from him. To facilitate the destruction. Yeah. Right. And and sort of allow him to cleanse himself. And Star Wars um, is all about that, right? Like Star Wars is so much of the, the, the living force is all of us. Mm-hmm. The cosmic force is constantly doing this. Let me nudge here. Let me nudge there. Right. And that's that's what it comes down to. It's it's the goodness of character saving you in the end. And I see that now in Kino, where he didn't have to say he could just said, everyone go, everyone go, 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 go. At no point stop. But he didn't. He said, if you see someone falling behind, you help them. And I, I can't help but now think somebody heard Kino say that if you see somebody behind, help them. Don't stop. Don't let them stop. And now I just imagine somebody saying, oh, you can't swim stay with us we'll help you yeah and we'll get you. and yeah and i think so i think yeah whatever you whatever your takeaway is of kino's fate i think it's so beautifully planted in there by bo's writing that i think there can be a good ending for kino and i think star wars advocates for that it advocates for the optimistic choice yeah the togetherness choice not that it can't be brutal we saw the what happened to Skeen. We saw what went down with Tim in the very first arc. Tim with two M's. Sorry, I have to always call him Tim with two M's. <laughs> but but the that's his whole space name. But the whole idea of somebody who embodies the themes that much. I'm not saying oh mm-hmm. season two will get a Kino return. I mean I would I would cry if Kino showed up as a surprise. Like hey, we got someone for your crew, and it's Kino. Like, He's like, like oh, a. Oh, he's like the kid in Rebels who they they pull out from the academy, and yes. then he's like there at the end. Yeah. Yes, I would. I yeah. would love. I would love something like that. But it, it, you don't need it because you you set off air. It's like the the spinning top at the end of Inception. Like mm-hmm. what happened? There's the optimistic ending and there's a cynical ending, and you choose. But we know what story that we're in. We see. We glimpse the land. Then at the end, we see Cassian and Melshi on the land. Melshi's like, "This is my guy." It's just, it's just, I found my captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's beauty. It's inspiration. Yeah. It's, it's all those things. And, and on, on a rewatch of that scene, I couldn't help but notice like it's not breaking down in tears. I can't swim. It's not wrathful. I can't swim. It's just a realization. But it's like, yeah, I almost want to jump into the scene and be like, Kino, don't worry, man. You, you, you made it good. You made it okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is really powerful. So moving into our final section here, the final storyline, there's a little bit of an ISB thing going on here with this rebel we've yet to meet named Anto Krieger, who Saw wanted to ignore pretty much. Saw did mm-hmm. not want Anto Krieger in the circle. Luthen, as hard as he is, even he's like, Saw, you could afford to make like a couple connections. Like we kind of mm-hmm. need that. They have a relationship. Krieger has a pilot who was captured killed by the ISB. His body was planted in his ship by the Ring of Kifrin. I don't know if this spell house location is part of the Ring of Kifrin, near the Ring of Kifrin. It's kind of vague. I'm sure we'll find out. Um, there was some space pew-pew in the trailer, so I'm mm. <laughs> I'm assuming it's coming. Uh, but that entire idea of their machinations um, to bait Krieger 
has now come to a fruition in in, in a rebellion storyline that we did not expect. And that was the rebellion of Lonnie. I don't know Lonnie. I, I shouldn't know Lonnie's last name, but I just like that he's Lonnie. Yeah, it's guy. it's so much more fun to say Lonnie. Lonnie, and he's been in all the scenes, and and mm. I want to rewatch them all for hints. Has there been any indication that this guy yeah. was a rebel? I don't Little know. Little micro behaviors. Yeah, but the the way that they introduce this idea of he gives Partagas the no overreacting would mean this that that would be telling of this game. You can sort of see mm. him now being a chess player, Lonnie Partagas and Luthen. And then Clea Markey and Luthen Shop says, someone wants to meet with you, et cetera, et cetera. That leads us to our reveal. Talk to me about what you, what Lonnie's point of view is here, how you felt about their interactions before we get into what I am confident is one of the greatest monologues possibly ever written. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's wild. And I think as far as Lonnie goes, I, I honestly do feel for him in the same way where it's like, he is he is a rebel and you know he he's scared i think that's i think that's something um this show hasn't been shy about showing you know i think there's moments with vel where you know before she makes the call to initiate the aldani mission you know she has those hesitations um nemic where he's like i can't sleep <laughs> you know and i think showing the side of of how I think it helps balance out because, it again, it's it's Star Wars. It's easy to look at the swashbuckling rebels and be like, oh, that's awesome. I got my Luthan rail figure. I'm running around the galaxy. <laughs> and like, you know, we, we think about Star Wars so often in those terms of the fun adventure of it. And I think this is this is showing really starkly how being a rebel is actually nothing like it's it's fear. It's, it's, it's living romantic. in fear. Yeah. It's not a romantic thing. And and I think that, like you said, the swashbuckling nature, like, you know, some of our what's one of our first rebel visuals we think of? It's an X-Wing pilot or it's mm-hmm. Luke and Leia swinging across the chasm. It's all those things. And it's like that's that's the folkloric mythic opera of the rebels. But what is heroism and, and rebellion at the end of the day? It takes its toll. You look at Luke, Han and Leia in the sequels. After mm-hmm. 30 plus years of this fight, all of them in their own ways, whether that's hiding, whether that's reverting to old habits or whether that's doubling and tripling and quadrupling down the way Leia has, um, they've all reacted. And Lonnie, not 30 plus years in, one year in is like, mm-hmm. I'm a father now. I Isn't this enough? Like, I've given you so much. And it's not that Luthen disagrees. Luthen acknowledges you've been great. I think about you constantly. <laughs> I love that. And <laughs> that's he says a good it twice. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I think about you constantly, Lonnie. And, yeah. and part of the conversation being so impersonal and then the face-to-face, the way that that change happens is beautifully written, beautifully directed. Mm. Uh, Luthen uses the term investment a lot. And yeah. it's like, he and he's like trying to say it as, you know, Lonnie, you've invested so much in this movement while also saying, I've invested a lot in you. And like, you. you know, you need to remember who you are to me you know and i've I've made the batman parallel before and i think it's specifically the nolan one because you know you look at dark knight rises a film that i have also struggled with but has a great moment of alfred saying you see only one end to your story and that's Mm -hmm. luthan here and so from his perspective i i as his speech will illustrate from his perspective it is what he calls it lonnie's he says you think you could just bring me a bag of goodies and then we're good like yeah. what Lonnie is listing is extremely substantial. 
He's given yeah. him Deidre's entire case. He's given him the upper hand on the Krieger stuff. He 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 gave it to to Stellan to Stellan to Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> he gave it to Luthen to stop it. But Luthen's about to play the ruthless calculus. Oh um, yeah, no fifty have to go down for the rest of this. To someone like that, that is a bag of goodies. To someone like that, that is small potatoes. A year's work is nothing to his fifteen year equation that he has mm. already been sitting on. That's why he is so hard, and that is why he is. He sends Vel after Cassian, the loose ends, everything, the, the yelling at Vel on Aldani. This is a wrathful, wrathful person. And I believe that he believes what he's saying when he says he thinks about him constantly. I think he does care, but he also is, he's also weighing contributions versus losses constantly. Yeah. I mean, the guy, we don't know his backstory, but he has this business. He's a businessman whose business is, as we talked about again, and the plug for the Ando Roundtables, the idea that they were talking about um, with, with Luke Hall and, and Michael Wilkinson, like his shop is, it's other cultures, it's other things, it's things that have been taken, it's all this, and he's, Luthen reeks of self-loathing, and I think that he has a standard of other people because of that, where he's mm-hmm. like, look at me, I'm not even, I'm a monster now, and if I can do this, so can you, suck it up. Yeah, feel like it's sort of where he's at. But he presents it in a way that's like, you're a hero, Lonnie, and I need <laughs> heroes. And yeah. I need heroes, Lonnie, and you'll stay with me, Lonnie. Right. So yeah, anything else to say about that before we just straight up dive into this speech and close it? Yeah, I mean, just, just again, the fact that, you know, Luthen has that ability, I think, to yeah, not necessarily inspire, but potentially help direct, right? In the ways we, we see Cassian grow, I wonder... I wonder how Lonnie sort of like takes this conversation um in in terms of like and you know like like you're saying like Luthen like tries to appeal to this thing of like you're a hero you know you're part of this and you know don't don't give it up and and I think again just to now you know again bring back the this idea of sacrifice and you know it it comes up big in in their dialogue together but in I guess in the sort of um machinations term it's it's uh, Luthen being totally, I don't want to say on board, but like accepting mm-hmm. that, I, I forget what he says, like exactly, but like Anton Krieger's men will die so that your daughter has a father. Yeah. The way you that know? he, he it, Lonnie brings this argument of, I have a family, I'm a family man now to the table trying to reach Luthen on a human level. But as Luthen is saying, his human level's gone. You can't reach yeah. Luthen that way anymore. He's like, mm-hmm all the more reason like that that to him is is affirmation and that yeah. is a scary scary thing it's it's luthan i thought going into the show i think like a lot of people did that luthan would be the happy medium between saw and mothma but what we've realized is that he's this thing adjacent to saw and mm-hmm. he he like he says i'm damned let's just get into it this idea my mind i've made it a sunless place i'm damned for what i do that's the ruthless equation i have given up kinship i've given up uh calm kindness love i, I share my dreams with ghosts i mean that yeah. was the one that we really that the line one, that gets everyone oh that yeah. one uh the, the the i burn my decency i burn my life for a sunrise i know i won't get to see there's a little bit of that theme overall that very old and literally old old idea that goes all the way back to something like moses that is then present in things like superman that is now present in like kino kino might not we're choosing the optimistic you know Mm. of the open-endedness but 
the characters that facilitate and open the door that Moses is going to get his people there. But will he make it? Mm -hmm. You know, Superman is told Kal-El, you will lead them. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they may join you in the sun. But what does that mean for him? And Luthen is talking about this sunrise. He sees a new age. He sees the fall of the empire. He just doesn't think that he can be a part of it. He doesn't. He doesn't see himself in the new world. And it's uh, yeah. It, it, there's you know, Serenity kind of does this. Um, 2005 Serenity, the Firefly follow up from the villain's point of view, where the villain of that film, without spoiling it too much, he has a speech where he said, "By the way, it's Chiwetel Ejiofor." So you know that that speech is good in that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, uh. I have I am a monster. I have no illusions about what I do. I'm just making a better world. I have no place in it, but it must be done. And yeah. I feel like Luthen is that for heroes. Luthen, I don't even think he, even if he were to live, let's just say, let's say he lives all the way up to New Hope. I don't think he would think himself welcome at the Yavin 4 base. <laughs> yeah. With that. Yeah. I don't think he would even attend that meeting. I mean, imagine him at the uh, Ewok celebration. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like i think they might just walk off and be like if someone just light me on fire as well yeah <laughs> he just crawls I, in with vader yeah um, i don't think he views himself to be a functioning person anymore yeah that's, and that's why it takes i mean this speech contextualizes the putting the hot towel on the face and everything because he's not changing between two luthans i mean he is but it's deeper than that he mm-hmm. has to create a Luthan every day yeah. that can live. Yeah. And it's just like, just as a piece of writing, this monologue is just line by line, such a delicately balanced, but powerful, just like wielding of language. Like it's just, it's words I didn't expect to be hearing like together. Right. Um, this, this idea of like, I burn my decency, the the shared dreams with ghosts. It's just, it evokes so much imagery. That's so powerful. And I think the way Stellan delivers it, of course, is and to go to the acting point, it's it's just unbelievable. It's like, how do you just as a performer, like you read that and, and channel it. It's and it's, it's like, so incredible. Great actors like Stellan Skarsgård, they find the honesty in things. But when a character is being this honest, then it challenges you to find an honesty even behind that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down here because it's that good. He has that line in the middle. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there's no escape. So point one, he has thrown all the indictments out there and owned them. And then he talks about, I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. By the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. And then that is sort of capped off with, and the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. I think that his network what he wants for Vel, for Mothma, for Sagarera, for Anto Krieger, potentially for Cassian. I'm still unclear if he actually wants Cassian dead or not. I think that's a t- just found. I think that's a yeah. tasty twist coming up. Yeah. Um, but what he wants for all of them is for them to win and be people because yeah. he wants to win and is no longer people. Yeah. Luthen sees himself. Luthen is the version of Batman that is the end game like dark knight returns comic version of like i don't i no longer when i think about who i am i don't hear bruce yeah you know luthan probably whatever he was but whoever this rich man was has been dead you get the idea since palpatine rose mm-hmm. and I, I think something i love about the way stellan delivers it all i don't know if this is a 
universal read or not. I I got the impression that he'd never admitted any of that to himself yet. I completely agree. There's a beat of his eyes look to the side. Yeah. When Lonnie says, what have you sacrificed? He takes a step forward, looks to the side, and it's almost like it's almost like Lonnie's the first person that ever put it in those terms. Yeah. And I think that's why that's where so much of the forcefulness of it, the the vengeance. I mean, the way he says burn, like he's he's almost like it's like he's angry at himself and his life that he did this while knowing he, there's no other way. And I think that sort of there's just such a beautiful like intensity yet hesitancy all sort of happening at the same time in delivering this monologue. And it just yeah, it made me think about how like what that must feel like to be confronted with it and know all these things in your in your heart and then have to explain them. And it's it's coming to that realization himself. You know, it's openly. And I thought I thought the way that was all navigated, it's it's like maybe he never really spoke out loud like this fight will kill me. But it's like now he did <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, and, you know, I'm already a dead man. Whatever happens, you know, we take it from there. And sort of now you get a very similar feel from from Luthen where he's he's like, you know, there is no even if I get everything I want, there's no happy ending. Yep. A hundred percent. And now when we look back on him telling Cassian, you're going to die fighting them. It's like, oh, he's just talking about you. And yeah. you've internal, you see in Cassian something that you've internalized. What right. Cassian gained from you, he has now been able to pass on. There's a, uh, there's a circle here. A symbiote circle. What happens to one of you will affect the other. Uh, and and that is crazy uh, ideas, right? That's a Star Wars <laughs> for everyone playing at home. No, yeah, th- this idea is is so strong, it's so powerful. It's a beautiful performance, and I, I just think that it, it speaks to so much. I mean, this this to see characters unpack themselves doesn't doesn't happen a lot. Again, this has the advent of being sort of this novel-esque, longer series. Um, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's pointed and it makes me want this for other characters for them to have similar moments. I think between the Kino speech, this speech, and Marva in episode seven with the that whole moment of that's just love. There's nothing you can do yeah. about that. I've yeah. witnessed three of my new favorite Star Wars characters, three of my favorite Star Wars moments, and uh, I'm glad that two of them were in this episode and then we were able to talk about them, my friend. So, you have any last thoughts on episode 10? Yeah, I mean, again, just this is this was an episode that I think stays with you. <laughs> um, it's, it's one I'm going to enjoy looking back on when we have the whole expanse of Cassian's journey, including the film. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, I think it's a really sort of just to encapsulate the whole series so far. It's such a unique experience and how it is different to other Star Wars. I won't I want to involve myself in the conversation of better, um, but it's it's such a different feel. Um, and, it, and you know, we talk about Rebels so much. It's the same time frame like we're watching season one pretty sure season one is happening while this is happening i oh, think in, in my i think that canon, math is lined up in my head canon luthan's speech is happening during the melu run uh, yeah like that's like the fact that yeah. those are and those are both equally valid and equally important stories right <laughs> and, and and again just the the dichotomy of the the twinkle in the eye playfulness of rebels and how that is still the same galaxy as a man by all means trying to get out of prison right and and just the idea that rebellion itself can have so many flavors it's it's uh i think i think that speaks to star wars again everybody's 
everybody's here for different reasons and uh, their journeys manifest in different ways. And I think this has been a really good, really good show so far. Really enjoying it. Episode 10 is just magic. It's that elemental magic that we all love. <laughs> well said, my friend. This is one for the book. So I have nothing to add there. I think you said it. It's the elemental magic. It's raw. It stands alone. When people say, why Star Wars? If I, if, if we, if we were back in the 2000s and we were burning mix CDs, if I could do that with TV or with movies, mm-hmm. people said, why Star Wars? Episode 10 of Andor has entered the conversation with some of my favorite rebels, Return of the Jedi, Last Jedi, High Republic, like different things like that. Why Star Wars? Check this out. And I think mm-hmm. encapsulated so many of the themes. So much tell everybody where they can find you and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, you can find my personal Twitter to whatever degree Twitter is still existing at Nikwishis, N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. You can check out the Imperial Senate podcast for Star Wars Talk at Imp Senate Pod and on YouTube. And you can listen to the One Done Film Club, which Alden and I do with our friend Reed. Uh, we're looking forward to continuing that journey through blockbuster franchise films. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything. And I'll let you take the rewatch responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we also do a rewatch between worlds here on uh, Octa Radio, which is our Star Wars Rebels show where we go through all of Rebels and the behind the scenes material. And that's been on a little bit of a break, but it's going to be coming back. Just a matter of when are we going to place it coming back? I'm thinking when Andrew is over, we'll get into rewatch between worlds and then we'll have the how are we going to do that in Bad Batch at the same time conversation. When We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Um, but rewatch is going to be coming back. One and Done Film is going to be coming back very soon. Very excited about that. Nikki also also is a, a contributor and a frequent guest over on Casterly Talk, which is Ken Knapsack and myself covering the worlds of ice and fire and Middle Earth, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, soon the Jackson films as well. We're going to be adding Willow to that roster as a fantasy series that we're looking forward to from the glorious company known as Lucasfilm. So go check out Casterly Talk. Of course, stay here. Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. For all your Andor coverage, for your Star Wars interviews, for behind-the-scenes roundtable stuff that we were lucky enough to be a part of, for other stuff that we do in the Star Wars world, including higher public interviews coming up, fun Star Wars topics that I'm excited to dive into. And that's, again, all your podcast platforms. If you're on Apple or Spotify, leave stars, leave reviews. A-H-C-H-T-O Radio is on all the socials. And then for me personally, it's that Alden Diaz, Twitter, Instagram, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. But for right now, for me, for Nikki, for Kino, Loy, and the one way out. We will catch you next time. Punch it, Chewie.